Um, some of you might have heard parts of my faith story. I gave my testimony at the uh, birthday party. I've been here before. Um, so, but I do want to share a few, um, a few facts about my life that maybe you, you have not heard as a way of kind of just introducing myself. So uh, my parents are from Nicaragua, uh, which is in Central America. Um, they immigrated to the United States in 1988, um, and uh, they were fleeing uh, kind of very unstable political and economic environment. They had been trying, they had been married for uh, 10 years um, before they decided to do that, and all 10 of those years they were trying to have a child, and they were not able, never able to. They had no idea when they hopped on that plane that I had already been conceived, and eight months later they would be expecting me as a child. Um, I was born a healthy child, normal, fairly normal, um, <laughs> uh, but in somewhat difficult circumstances. Um, I, my parents did not make a lot of money, they did not um, speak the language of the country we lived in, um, they were still you know, not very settled. Um, and so uh, I actually ended up kind of overcoming some of that anyway, I, was, um, I did really well in school, um, and so as a result of that, I got a scholarship and I came to a university here in Chicago. Um, after I graduated from college, I, through a very confusing series of events, ended up working in sort of corporate setting. I work in advertising now, um, which is, uh, I think, problematic a little bit, but I do find a lot of joy in what I do and um, it has empowered me with some really valuable skills. So those are just like chronological facts about my life. Um, and if someone were to ask me to tell my story or to uh, give an autobiography, if I told it in that way, I would be really doing a disservice to my story. Because those are just facts. Um, and what's, uh, what's more interesting when you're telling a story is not just conveying facts that happen chronologically, but conveying meaning. What, why do you care? What are the values in that story? How does that affect your spirit? And so what, does, what do these chronological facts mean to me? Well, I'll tell you. You know, I haven't always been proud necessarily of where I uh, came from um, because of the message the world tells us about immigrants. Um, I also didn't have uh, as easy of a time growing up as my friends did, all, all or most of whom, uh, their families made more money than mine, um, they uh, didn't have to worry about their parents' legal status, their parents spoke English uh, as a native language. Um, and so those were, those were difficult things that I um, you know, wasn't, wasn't all that proud of. I didn't, I wasn't going around boasting about that. In fact, often I would hide them. Um, and then over time, I've really come to reclaim that story. And the reason for that is because in that story, I have found pieces of the good news. So here's a few pieces of good news I've found. One, when Matthew writes that, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, I see a little bit of that in my story. I see my meek parents and my meek self as a child 
growing up and, and um, growing in a world that, that nurtured me and sustained me and turned me into uh, a stable adult, a leader in my community, someone who, um, who has a stable job. And so it might be a little bit true in my story that the meek inherit the earth. And I see good news that even though the world is terrifying and broken, and my parents experienced a really traumatic sort of death of their, of their lives when they had to leave everything behind to come to this country, there is also new life in me. And that, so maybe the spirit of resurrection might be alive in me and my story and my parents' story. And that's good news. I see good news in that even though we were poor and foreign and outcast, there were people and institutions around us that nurtured me, that, that raised me up, that helped me succeed. And so maybe it's true and maybe it's good news that God's love does exist in the world and that there are people who are Christ's hands and feet. And so the most authentic, the most true, the most valuable version of my story is not just the chronological facts. It's not just when I say this happened and then this other thing happened. It's when I share how that story or what that story means to me, how that story has changed me. It's when I share that I um, not only am uh, able to claim my own story, but I'm also able to bring you in and we're able to be transformed together. And so today, or this, this past few weeks, we've been talking about evangelism, which is often a scary word. Um, and and I, I sympathize with that. Um, but it's so important to share the good news that we found in our lives. And so today, what I want to talk about is uh, how and why we share. How and why do we share our faith, our testimonies, our stories, our understanding of the way that the good news has made itself manifest in our lives. And really, it's as simple as this. The act of pouring out our testimonies, of pouring out our authentic selves, our truest truths into the world brings us closer to God and to each other. It's that simple. So here's another story. A Jewish man and a Samaritan woman walk into a bar. But <laughs> I was really worried you all wouldn't laugh. So, <laughs> so thank you. Um, so that's kind of a joke, but also there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, in, in these times, uh, men and women were, uh, there were not a lot of places where men and women could come and go. Um, one of those places was at a well. Um, and so, in some ways, wells are kind of like our modern-day bars um, or nightclubs. So, um, so a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman walk in, walk up to a well. Um, they're, you know, they're they're kind of like maybe maybe making eyes at each other. Maybe they're like, "Do I trust this guy? Do I not? Like, who is he? I don't really like guys with long hair." <laughs> She probably likes guys with like curly mops on their heads. <laughs> um, so uh, the man approaches the woman and says, hey, can I have a drink? And, um, 
they get into it, they start to banter back and forth a little bit. I think this is one of the um, uh, few places in the Bible really where uh, there's kind of like this um, debate happening back and forth between Jesus and a woman. Um, and so uh, they get to talking and Jesus, this Jewish man, um, decides that he's just gonna he's just gonna let it all out and he's gonna tell her this crazy vision that he has that someday all people regardless of who they are Jewish or Samaritan regardless of where in the world they live will be united under one God which is I think a crazy idea and the Samaritan woman kind of receives receives this idea she uh, she simmers on it a little bit, and she also shares something back. She admits uh, something that is kind of hard to admit, that she has had five husbands. We don't know the circumstances under which that was uh, that is true, but she does admit that it is true. And so they keep talking, and over the course of the conversations, she starts to become convinced that what this man is saying might potentially be true. That maybe one day we will be all united under God. And so um, she goes and she, she leaves the well. She goes and tells her friends about it. Um, and as a result, many of the people who she told came around to believing that this guy, Jesus, might actually be um, God among us and that, um, and that it might be true that we will all one day worship God together regardless of our identities. So, of course, that's uh, the scripture we read today. And uh, this story is often used in ways that make me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, often it is told in a way that it is a story about how Jesus found this adulterous woman, this like sinful, lecherous person, and then um, he saved her, he convinced her, he brainwashed her probably, and then um, she went out and she... Uh, recited back everything that this man said to the world and everyone's converted and we lived happily ever after. And I don't think that is true. I don't think that that's not really what I am getting out of the story. What, I, what I'm picking up out of the story is that this is really a story about Jesus talking to a woman, a woman who is really thirsty for answers to some of the day's most pressing religious, spiritual, uh, identity questions about what it means to be a Jew or a Samaritan, what it means, uh, or who, who this God is and, and who has a right to worship. This is a story about a woman who is um, unashamed in her story, who claims everything that has happened in her life and, and isn't regretful of it, uh, but she, she claims it as her own and allows that to transform herself and also the people around her. And this is also a story about a woman who vulnerably shares, who vulnerably shares the things that maybe she isn't proud of, or who vulnerably shares the things um, that she might, things that she might be afraid to share. Um, but what she does so anyway, and in doing so, she changes the world. And so there is so much transformation happening in this story. There's a transformation of uh, the Samaritan woman, of the relationship between uh, between Jesus and the woman, and also just of the community around her. So I want to talk a little bit, I want to dig into um, how is this, how are these transformations being manifested? And, and also, what does that mean for us? 
So the most obvious transformation is the transformation of the entire world, or the community at least that she lives in. It says in verse 39 that people started to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, and so uh, for the people in the city, the transformation that happened is one of belief. One day they um, did not believe that God could potentially be living among us. And then the next day they did believe. One day they did not believe that um, we will all be united uh, under God in God's kingdom. And then one day they did believe. And those are really big shifts in uh, belief, right? Um, I will admit that I have a hard time believing uh, that that could possibly be true because when I look around at the world, um, everything is so everything is so broken, everything is so divided. So I mean, I would you know ask yourself: Do you do you honestly believe um, that one day we will all be united? Um, and it might be. Uh, I, you know, we can have hope for that, but I do think it is hard to believe. And so when it comes to these people who change their minds, um, what, would, what could cause you to suddenly believe that we will all uh, be united together? Um, and let me just uh, say, so say I came in today, I don't know many of you, I came in and I said, uh, last night I was at a nightclub and I met Jesus. The second coming happened last night, um, and God's kingdom is here. Do you do you believe me? <laughs> no. So, what would it take for you to believe me? And open question: What what would like for you to personally believe that what I just said is true? What would it take? I'd have to see Jesus myself. Okay, you'd have to see him yourself. You have to post it, post it to Facebook. <laughs> post it to Facebook. Yeah. Any any other things that would convince you? Raw emotion. Raw emotion. Okay. I like yeah, I like that one. So proof, right? Proof is what um, you're looking for. And proof in the story is um, uh, so he meant he know he knew that she had five husbands. Okay, so so here I have some proof. He listed the names of every person I've ever had a relationship with. Do you believe me? No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So what 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 would it possibly take? I haven't had that many relationships. Um, so what could it possibly take? For this to, to be a story that uh, the Samaritan woman took back to her community, and it actually was believed. Um, and what, what I keep coming back to is it had to have been, and Toby, this is I think what you were getting at, it had to have been something that caused her to be different, something that caused her to be transformed, something that tells me that like what this woman is saying is authentic, what this woman is saying is true, she's living it out in her life. And so I do think that there's a transformation here that happened. So that was a transformation of the community, but then there's a transformation of the individual person. That the Samaritan woman um, became somehow different through this conversation, and that difference was what motivated people um, to, to, to change the way that they understand the world. And so the transformation is not, I was once 
a uh, a sinner, an adulterer, adulterer, a horrible person, and now I believe in Jesus and everything is okay. Because she doesn't ever say that. In fact, um, when Jesus calls her out on her five husbands, she doesn't say like, yeah, you're right, I regret it. Yeah, I'm sorry. In fact, she does the exact opposite. She says, yes, that's true. And do you really think that just because you're Jewish, you're the only kind of person who can speak to God? Do you really believe that? So she is so grounded in the things that make her story hers, that she doesn't have doubts, she doesn't have fears, or if she does have them, it's okay because those are a part of who she is. And so she is boldly claiming her story for herself, and that changes her. I was trying to um, put myself in her shoes, like, like what would be the, the equivalent for me? And I was thinking, so if someone, if I was talking to someone and they called me out on, um, being, on being the child of immigrants, like I would be, um, I would, I would be like, I would be hurt. I would be uh, bothered. I would be like afraid. Like, does this is this person uh, like white supremacist? Are they coming after you? Like, I I don't think I would have the like the the grounding that the Samaritan woman had. Um, and so, if I wanted to kind of you know put my Samaritan woman uh, hat on, I, I assume she's wearing a hat. Uh, <laughs> I would say maybe something like, yes, my parents are immigrants, and do you really believe that just because your parents were born on this side of a border, that they are worth more than mine? Mm. And so the transformation happens where I um, can become grounded in a truth about my life, and then that leads me to pursue something deeper outside of that. Mm. I have an anchor, and then I can, um, I can pursue values and spirit uh, from a place that's more grounded. So, going back to my nightclub example, say, uh, okay, I, I met Jesus Christ at a nightclub, and now the story is a little bit different. Now it's, um, and this man who I met last night gave me a reason to believe that this broken world might be a little bit more whole. This man gave me hope that someday, Things will be better. Maybe that's in this life, or maybe the next, or maybe both of those things are true. And this hope motivates me to go out and do things that make my community right by God. This hope calls me to fight for justice. This hope calls me to do service. Is that a little bit more compelling? I see a few head nods. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not fully compelling, though. I did not see Jesus last night. <laughs> so I imagine that's what the Samaritan woman did. She went back to her community and she said, I met a man um, who gave me hope that even though we are Samaritans and they are Jews, someday we might be united. This man gave me hope that God, whatever God is, whatever God looks like, whoever God is, lives among us. And I'm going to change who I am because of that. I'm going to live that out in my life. That could be something that moves people more. And so our transformations that happen when we share our stories aren't just transformations of the people around us, but also of ourselves. 
And so there's one more transformation here going on. And so there's this kind of a spectrum, right? So on the one hand, we've got the individual. On the other hand, we've got the community. And in the middle, we have um, a sort of interpersonal transformation, a transformation between Jesus himself and the Samaritan woman. And we see that unfold actually throughout the course of the conversation. In the beginning, um, you can tell that there's like skepticism or mistrust. She's like, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Um, you have long hair, I'm not into that. Uh, and then over the course of the conversation, they probe deeper. Uh, Jesus shares his vision. She shares her past. They ultimately come together. Ultimately, they are united in a common vision that we are all God's people, that God lives among us. So bringing this back to this original question of how and why do we share the good news? How and why do we share our testimonies, our faith stories? And in this story, we see that the best way to do that is by pouring out your authentic self into the world. Not just to convince other people that something is true or that something is right. We do it to be transformed ourselves by the experience of sharing. And so what that means is doing more than just stating the facts. It's not just, I go to church every Sunday. It's not just, I believe in God or I'm reading this book right now. Those are important to share, but what's important is the meaning. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to do this little thing called community? This thing called faith? What have you found? Has it made you whole? Why? Does it give you hope? Why? Have you experienced something in your life that causes you to believe that the brokenness of the world is something that we are able to transcend? Why? And I, I know and hope that in this community, a lot of us have found that. And so that's why we share. And that's how we share. And we share because in claiming our stories as ours and not the world's, we ground ourselves in the truth and position ourselves in a place to pursue even deeper relationships with the world and with God. We share because we share with the people around us because our relationships are made stronger. Our relationships are made whole. And we share with our communities so that we can, in some strange way, in some mysterious way that still doesn't make sense to me fully, we can all become the body of Christ together. We share because we are so blessed to have found this good news in this little room, these little people, this little light that we found in our hearts. How could we not share that? Let's pray. Creator God, you narrate our lives. You write our books. You wrote them before we were born. Give us the words that it takes to share that with other people, to share that authentically, to share that honestly. Give us the courage it takes to do that. 
Give us the hope that in sharing, we can be made different, that our communities can be made different, and that we together we can all be whole, that together we can become the body of Christ. In Jesus' name.